This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining. We have a lot to go over in today's episode. Of course, we're going to be going over Apple and their new event. They just announced a new MacBook that is powered by a super powerful iteration of their M1 chip. Apple seems to be leaps and bounds ahead of the competition when it comes to their M1 chip. That is just the simple truth. They are ahead of the competition by a large margin. Now, they also included in this announcement not only new MacBooks that are coming out, but also a new third-generation AirPod. And this AirPod is priced at $180. They're increasing the prices of these because Apple knows they're going to sell them. That's why they're increasing the price. Apple is a company that can charge a premium for their devices, and investors need to get used to this. They can charge a lot because people are willing to pay for it. Now, we'll talk about the AirPods. We'll talk about the MacBook. I'll go over what I think those devices mean for the future of Apple, but I want to also talk about their voice-only plan for music. This is a genius step from Apple. I really think the direction they're going here, having a Siri-only Apple music plan, is really unappreciated. So I'm going to explain why this move is so smart from Apple. Now, in addition to Apple, we're going to talk about a trade I made in my portfolio. I sold out of NextEra Energy and Dominion Energy. I sold completely out of these utilities and put that money into Costco. And I want to explain why in this episode. I know that you all know I love Costco as a company, but I want to dive a little bit further into it in this episode and really go over in depth where I see Costco in the next 10 years. Now, in addition to all of that, we have to watch this viral clip from the past week. This is a clip of a trader called Mark Minervini, and he comes on to CNBC. He's being interviewed by the host, and all of a sudden he loses connection with the host when he's asked about one of his companies. What does the company do? And suddenly, he pretends like he has connection issues. So we'll be looking at this clip later on in this episode. So we have a lot to jump into in this episode. And this is actually the first episode I've made in almost a week. It's been a while. And the reason why is because I've been focused on releasing a product called Qualtrum Insights. Most of you know about Qualtrum Track. This is a product that tracks your dividend history, your growth of your dividend. It tracks your portfolio and the passive income growth. Well, we've recently expanded this effort into a whole new category called insights. And this is where you can enter in the ticker symbol of any US listed company. For example, I can put in Microsoft here and it loads in all the fundamental data of this company on one convenient page. And I've worked with my developers to make this tool the single best stock information tool in existence. And I really believe that. I want to show you real quick a couple features this thing has. For instance, if we look at Microsoft, we can see the value, the margins, the growth, the balance sheet, and the dividend payout, all in one convenient place. I can see the forward PE ratios of Microsoft, the backward PE ratio, the price to sales, the enterprise value to EBITDA, the price to book, all in one nice convenient segment. On different websites, you have to look far and wide on different pages to find this info. But not only that, we have the profit margin, the operating margin, we have the quarterly earning growth, the quarterly revenue growth. We have a simple, easy to understand view of their balance sheet. I can see that Microsoft has $130 billion in cash and $58 billion in debt. 
that nets out to $72 billion. I get this info at a glance. I can look at the dividend yield, see that they have a 0.74% dividend yield, their payout ratio is 28%, and then I can see their next upcoming dividends. So at a glance with these metrics, we get a good overview of a company here. But that's not where this stops. We have visuals that show every single important aspect of the company. For instance, I can see Microsoft's revenue growth. It's very consistent quarter over quarter growth. I can take a look at their EBITDA growth quarter over quarter and see that their EBITDA is expanding like crazy. I can look at their free cash flow growth. I have all this information already calculated for me quarter over quarter in visual format. Of course, we have the net income here. I can expand this and look at their net income over time. Microsoft is growing their net income. I can look at their long-term debt over time and see that Microsoft is reducing the amount of long-term debt quarter by quarter. Then we can look at the dividend history. This is something that Qualtrum Insights does that a lot of other websites don't do. It gives you over 20 years of history of their dividends. And again, a lot of websites only show you the past five years or the past 10 years. This gives you a huge look at any company's dividends. I can see from this graph, every single dividend payment of Microsoft going back to 2003, including their special dividend of $3 back in 2004. And I can see the consistency of their dividend payment and their annual raises. This is included in Qualtrum Insights. We can of course look at their cash balance over time. They're sitting with over $120 billion of cash and they have for at least the last couple years, back to 2016. So I know they like to maintain around this much cash. Now, another awesome thing this website shows is the EPS per share over a very long period of time. This is the earnings per share of the company over time. I can go all the way back to 1996 with Microsoft and see their very consistent growing earnings per share. The reason that big tech companies have gone up so much in value over the past four to five years is because of this earnings per share. Look at it with Microsoft. Around 2017, their EPS has grown like crazy. Peter Lynch explains it very simply. He says if a company grows its earnings, it's likely the stock price will go up. If its earnings go down, the stock price will probably go down. And you can see that happening with this example with Microsoft. Most stock information tools don't give you anywhere close to this amount of the earnings per share history. They really don't. They go back like three or four years and it doesn't give you a full picture of the company's history. And then the last graph we have is the shares outstanding. This shows you whether or not the company is diluting or they're doing share buybacks. In Microsoft's case, we can see that they're not diluting the shareholder, they're doing buybacks. I can see that Microsoft is continually reducing the amount of shares outstanding and they sped this up in 2019. Since 2019, they're doing a lot of share buybacks. So that's it. That's the last visual, and that's what this website does. It gives you a full, in-depth look at a company so that you can have a more informed decision when you're choosing what companies to buy. This shows you a 360-degree view of every company you look at, and it's very easy. I can look at Facebook here. I can see Facebook's metrics, their EBITDA, their free cash flow, their debt over time, or lack thereof, their cash balance, their shares outstanding, and their earnings per share growth. We can look at Tesla and see all the same valuation metrics, their growing revenue. We can take a look at their debt outstanding, their net income, their free cash flow. We can look at Tesla's earnings per share growth over time and see that they went from the negative to the positive and how they're rapidly growing their EPS. This tool is included with the Patreon. So it's only $10 a month. Then you get access to not only the Discord community, you get access to exclusive episodes with hours of content. You get access to Qualtrum Track, which is a dividend tracker. And I think one of the best ones in the market 
market. But now in addition to all of that, at no extra cost, you get access to Qualtrum Insights, which I personally believe is the best stock search tool in the market today. I really do. And the feedback so far of the current Patreon members has been very positive. Now, if you're not entirely sold, but you just want to try it out and see if it's something that you like, you can do that. If you join the Patreon today, you will not be charged a penny until the first of next month. You will have a free membership, a free trial period until the beginning of next month. That gives you time to jump in, try it out, and see if it's something that you really like. And let me know what you think of it. I personally think that you'll really enjoy it. Now, moving on from this, let's go ahead and talk about Apple for a minute. Apple is one of the biggest companies in my portfolio. In fact, as of right now, it still remains the very top holding. I have $49,000 of value in the holding and around $14,000 is currently gains. So this has been a really good performing stock over the past couple of years. And in my opinion, I think this stock will continue to perform well. I think that Apple controls some of the most important aspect of people's lives, which is the devices they use on a daily basis. And in many cases, the services people use on a daily basis. Apple just announced their new MacBook Pro, their new M1 chips, which are iterations above other chip makers, and their new AirPods, and a new music service that is voice only, which I think is kind of genius, and I'll explain why. Let's go ahead and start off with music. Apple's launching a voice-only Siri plan that gives you access to their entire library of music, 90 million songs, for $4.99 per month. In this one announcement, Apple's doing a couple important things here. For one, the pricing's very low. So $4.99 per month for that big of a library beats out basically every other competitor. It beats out Spotify and Amazon Music and any other competitor. That's a very low price. That's not the most important part of this announcement. Apple isn't wagering a price battle here. They're not trying to compete with their competitors through price. What they're trying to do is train users to use Siri. That is clearly the goal of this move. They want you to sign up for this cheaper plan that can only access the music through Siri so that you get accustomed to Apple's ecosystem, so that you grow to love Siri and love using this companion, which will be a companion with you for years to come. That's what Apple's goal with this is, is to have their user base engage with Siri. So while I don't believe this will have really any effect whatsoever on Apple's profit margins or their revenue, this has implications on locking users further into their ecosystem, which expands the ever-growing moat of Apple. Now, the next thing that Apple announced is, of course, their AirPods with the staggering price, $179, $180 for the third-generation AirPods. This is a very high price, and there's some people that were taken aback by this saying, Why am I going to spend $179 on the third generation of AirPods? Well, these do have some better features. They have better speakers. They have MagSafe charging. They have spatial audio. But the real reason that Apple is going to charge $179 for this AirPod, which is a 13% increase over the last iteration, is because they can. Apple can charge $179 for the AirPods, and they will sell each and every last one of them before Christmas. That is the reason that they can charge a premium, is because they can sell it. Now, after that, Apple announced the new MacBook. Pro with these supercharged beefy M1 chips that are, you know, you can go over all the specifics. We could go over the metrics and show how they're much faster, they're more power efficient, they're way beefier, they're better in every single way, X, Y, and Z, but you'll get more of that on the tech channels. The takeaway from this is that Apple's coming out with a highly competitive, extremely powerful MacBook Pro 
that will, in my opinion, sell like hotcakes. People that have been waiting for the next iteration of the most powerful MacBook Pro, I think will be more than satisfied with this iteration. Some of the bigger improvements and takeaways of this MacBook Pro is not only does it have the much faster M1 chip that is, is better in every single way is what they're explaining. And you'll see more of that on the tech-related channels when they do benchmarks. But they also improved the keyboard. They brought back the keyboard that everyone really likes with the physical touch buttons. The new MacBook has better speakers. It has a better camera. It also has ports, many ports for you to connect lots of different things to. This has been a point of complaint on previous MacBook iterations, and it seems like Apple's listening to that. It also brought back MagSafe, which is really nice because if my dog runs along and his legs catch onto the power cord, the magnet will safely disconnect rather than ripping the entire MacBook off of the table. It also has a new screen with the ProMotion display, which means that on some things like if you're scrolling through pages it can go up to 120 hertz refresh rate that's kind of the standard of the fast refresh rates right now there's some screens that go up to 240 and beyond but 120 hertz is considered the standard of very fast refresh rates so all in all as an apple shareholder i feel like my capital my money that i've invested into this company is working very hard they are hard at work to create more value for me as a shareholder and if we look at the valuation metrics apple's currently trading at a ford pe of 25 which I think is good. I think that it's not too bad of a price right now. I really don't. Some people think that Apple's way expensive because it was historically at a 15 PE ratio. But historically, Apple is not the same company. They didn't have the same integration with all of their products. They didn't have the same moat. They didn't have the same growing revenue stream from subscriptions. Now, the next company we have to talk about is in the consumer category, which is Costco. This company is expensive. It's trading at a 37 PE ratio which is an expensive company. That's a high price to earnings ratio by most standards. That's higher than Microsoft's, it's higher than Apple's, it's higher than a lot of companies. It's much higher than Target's or Home Depot's or Disney. Costco trades at a premium. And yet I sold out of Dominion Energy and NextEra Energy to increase my position in Costco despite its high price. And I wanna explain why. My focus when I invest in companies has simply moved to a more long-term focus. I'm not looking at companies over the next couple of quarters or even over the next couple of years. I'm looking at them at a 10-year horizon. Where do I think this company will be in 2030 or 2040? When I look at Costco, there's only one direction this company is going. It's going up. This company's only gonna become bigger, more expensive, and a more powerful company. I see so many characteristics that I love with this company that I frankly cannot find in other investments. They just don't exist in that many investments. The first thing is that Costco continues to grow, and this is important. Companies need to continue growth in order to, well, to grow their revenue and to grow their earnings per share. It's important for companies to continue to grow. Costco grows in a couple different ways. One of them is that they open up 25 to 30 new stores per year. I estimate that over the next 10 years, they'll open up an additional 250 to 300 new warehouses. That will bring growth in and of itself. But Costco also has a long history of growing same-store sales. They continue to have more and more shoppers more members at the same locations that have existed for years. Now, I believe that the reason that Costco continues to increase same-store sales every single year is a consolidation. With Costco, you can almost get anything. They compete with almost everyone. You can get your groceries and your milk and your eggs and all the staples at cheaper prices than anywhere else, but you can also buy a toilet. You can buy construction equipment. You can buy furniture. 
You can buy clothing and pajamas and jackets and shoes and socks and different clothing items. They're competing with malls. They're competing with Home Depot. They're competing with your local grocery store. Costco sells lots of electronics, Apple devices, big TVs. They're competing with Best Buy. You can also buy bigger stuff. You can buy kitchen ranges. You can buy microwaves and fridges and lots of stuff that you'd normally get at hardware stores. So Costco is offering everything from A to Z, and they offer their money-back guarantee, their top-notch customer service, and the customers here know that they'll be taken care of. They know that buying anything here is going to be a better experience and a cheaper value than most other competitors. So it leaves very little reason for shoppers to go elsewhere. Costco is consolidating the retail space. This is part of the reason that Costco has an earnings per share growth that is so good and so consistent. Take a look at their earnings per share over the past 20 years. This is all the way back since 1996. Costco's really done not much different. They haven't been a big disruptor. They haven't gone in and done any type of evolutions or big changes, but they grow their EPS year after year after year, and they do it during very distressed times, during times of crisis. For example, look at Costco's earnings per share growth during times of crisis, during times when other companies were struggling. Here's the dot-com bubble. Does it look any different? Was Costco's earnings affected at all during this, this whole period? No, it was very consistent. You can't even notice it. You'd have to literally label that this was the dot-com bubble to notice that Costco was affected at all. Then we can look at the financial crisis. This is the biggest recession we've ever had, and their EPS goes down slightly for one quarter. One quarter it was down slightly, and then it quickly was back up to where it was and even further ahead. Then look at their earnings per share growth during a pandemic. Costco thrived during this pandemic. Their EPS went up during the 2020 pandemic. Costco is a safe haven when we run into times of trouble. When the economy looks bad, when there's uncertainty, people go to stocks like Costco because they know that this company is reliable. During every type of economic time, different types of struggle, this company will continue to print money. I could also add in what is supposed to be existential threats to Costco over this timeline, and you'd likewise see no real difference. Oh no, Amazon and the growth of online shopping, that's certainly going to destroy Costco. No, it's not. You can't even pinpoint the effects that Amazon has on Costco. Oh no, Amazon bought Whole Foods. That's surely going to slow down Costco. It really didn't. You can't even distinguish the effect of Amazon buying Whole Foods on Costco. This company has been through multiple times of crisis, the growth of retail, an ever-changing world, and they still continue to operate the same business model with the same hot dogs selling for the same prices, and they're growing just the same. Now, another interesting data point we can look at with Costco is their dividend. You can see that they have a small starting yield, but they have these massive dividends every so often. Every couple of years, they pay this massive dividend, which makes the overall yield of their company much higher than what it first appears to be. They just recently paid a $10 per share dividend, which was over $4 billion of their cash. And if you look at their cash balance, you can see the effect this had. Here's their cash balance before they paid that $10 per share dividend. It was $14.4 billion. And then it went down to $9.25 billion. That is a result of paying out that big dividend. But look at the cash balance. Over just the past couple of quarters, it's hiking up very fast, right back to where it was before they paid that special dividend. At this rate, Costco will have too much cash, and they're either going to expand growth or they're going to pay more special dividends. They don't like holding on to $20 billion worth of cash. They're not going to do that forever. So as a shareholder, I know that my company is generating cash quicker than they can spend it. 
And they're a very shareholder-friendly company that likes to give back these big dividends to both their employees that hold stock as well as their shareholders. So I have a strong expectation that since they open up the same amount of stores every single year, 25 to 30, and their CapEx spending isn't going to be increased, in fact, it's going to play a smaller portion of their revenue, that they have to increase the amount of dividends that they're paying, either on a quarterly basis or the special dividends. I think either way, unless they're going to spend this money some other way, you're going to see more frequent special dividends. That's my guess. So in terms of Costco trading at a 37 PE ratio or a 35 or a 32, I don't really care at this point. If the stock drops in price, I'll just buy more of it. I wouldn't mind owning twice as much Costco as I currently have. So I'm going to continue to watch this company. If it goes down to a more attractive price, I'll continue to increase my stake in it. But waiting around and trying to buy this company when it enters into this perfect price point is very difficult. The company has very low volatility. It doesn't usually trade down that much or for that long. And it's very difficult to time the perfect buy into very good companies. The analysis firm Morningstar illustrates this point with Costco very well. The orange area on the graph is when the company is overvalued. That's when they say that it's overvalued. And the blue area is when it's undervalued. Well, if we go back and we try to time when this company's undervalued, the most recent point in time is back in 2014. That's when you could have bought Costco undervalued. From 2014 to now, this company has always traded at a premium. It's always been a little bit overvalued. So this is what the portfolio looks like right now. Costco's moving up, Microsoft's moving up, Vici's in number two, and Apple's still in number one. Let me know what you think. Was it a mistake to sell off the utility companies and buy more Costco? You can let me know in the comment section. All right, now moving on from that, we have to take a look at this viral clip. This is one of the funniest clips that's been passed around on the financial Twitter sphere over the past couple of days. It is a trader named Mark Minervini, who is a very renowned trader. He's someone that's had a lot of success and he calls into CNBC just talking about his different trades and his different moves. This is the first time that he's called into CNBC in years. And here's one part of this exchange. And keep in mind, up until this point in the interview, there's been no indication of any type of connection issues. So keep that in mind. The entire clip, no connection issues. Then this happens. Actually been putting money in right now include Upstart. That is one. Uh, Tesla. MGM and AIG. Why those four, all of which you've bought within, well, basically this week, except Tesla, uh, end of last month? Yeah. So, well, Upstart's up about 25% just in four days since we, since we bought it. We bought it on uh, about four days ago. Uh, so that's actually made a, a nice little move in the uh, short term, probably a little extended right now, but longer term, uh, that, that's a, that's a, a good looking uh, name. Uh, very powerful, very strong earnings. These stocks are What do they do? Really I don't well. even know them. What do they do? Uh, excuse me? What does Upstart do? Uh, well, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. What kind of company is it? Yeah, I'm not. You're you're breaking up. Oh, uh, well, sorry I guess we, we've got an audio problem there, Mark. I'm sorry. I do know MGM. I do know Tesla and I do know AIG. But a 25 percent move in a week is pretty good for the company upstart. That's the clip. That's him pretending like he can't hear the host ask what the company upstart does. Now, let's rewind the clip and do a closer examination. At one point, he actually starts to answer the question but he realizes he doesn't have the answer, so then he goes back to pretending that he can't hear the question. Here's when that happens. Uh, excuse me? What does Upstart do? Now he'll start to answer the question, realizing that he doesn't know the answer. Uh, well, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. What kind of company is it? Then he goes on pretending like he can't hear. 
Yeah, I'm not. You're you're breaking up. Oh, uh, well, Sorry I guess we, we've got an audio problem. Now, of course, as a result of this, Mark has been memed and teased online relentlessly by the Twitter crowd. And this is one of the videos he posted as a response on Twitter. The title of this Twitter post is To the Trolls. That's a clip of him flipping off the trolls and driving away. And I think you can see in the bottom left there, it looks like a, a woman, maybe his wife, recording him there. I bet he looped around afterwards and asked if the clip looked cool and it was ready to post. I bet that's what he did. He turned around and came back and said, do we got it? Can we post it online now? Now, this continues to get memed all over on Twitter, and he's battling in the comments of Twitter people making fun of him. And I think there's an important lesson to learn here. If you don't know the answer to something, just be honest and say you don't know. It would save a lot of grief here. He doesn't need to know the fundamentals of Upstart and what the business plan is to trade the company. A lot of his strategy isn't even based off the fundamentals of the company to begin with. He could have said, I have no clue what the company does, but I'm making a lot of money trading this stock, and that wouldn't have generated the same response this clip has. Now that's going to be it for this episode. If you've made it this far, you probably like the content. So subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Throw the video a thumbs up and I'll see you in the next one.